Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Join me on the line, by the way, from the Independent Scientific Advocacy Group, ISAG, who are a group, by the way, of scientists, academics and researchers who have come together to advocate for a SARS-CoV-2 elimination strategy. Now, we've heard about this, a COVID-free island. Uh, This has been described by many as a fantasy idea, but some people believe there's credibility. It is similar to New Zealand, I suppose. And also to discuss that, as well as Head of Infectious Diseases, uh, Paediatric Immunology, and also part of the group who presented the white paper, uh, Jack Lapp. Professor Jack Lambert from the Matter Hospital and both join me on the line, Julian Marseille and Professor Jack Lambert. And sorry, Julian, I probably pronounced your name wrong, so maybe you can clarify for me because I always get it wrong. Julian, are you there? That's fine. Yeah, 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 I'm here. Okay. Yeah, Julian okay. Marseille is good. Okay, okay. Uh, and good, uh, good afternoon to you too, Jack Lambert, and welcome back to the show again. Uh, Julian, just to you first. Okay, the ISAG, the, this idea or this, I suppose, notion that we can be New Zealand, we can eradicate COVID from the island. Uh, obviously, the vaccine is coming soon. Hopefully, we can do that anyway in you know, the not-too-distant future. But the idea that we could do it now, get to a point where we have no cases. A lot of people or scientists, you know, who disagree with you would say, that's just not a possibility. We we have it. We share a land border. We're part of Europe, and it's just not a thing that we could do. Yeah, and uh, even within ISAG, people are not uh, deluded. Maybe uh, as to the challenges uh, to say we'll have zero cases like New Zealand, it's a big ask, right? And it's almost um, not very productive to talk about that at this stage because we have many other problems in the short term. But let's say the goal is to have an aggressive suppression. So let's say we could get down eventually to level one. That would be a much better life, much better economy. Uh, but how know, do you propose better. to do that? I mean, what we're doing at the moment is kind of level five, and you're going to hear added restrictions today. We did go yeah. into a level five for six weeks just before Christmas. We opened up for a kind of week and a half, two weeks. We all saw what happened there. So realistically, how do you propose to achieve you know, dropping case numbers uh, and people, well, we can talk about PCR in a few minutes, but how do we achieve that or how do we get from that point down to single digit cases? Yeah, well, that's the most important question, of course. Uh, So ISAG, we have an eight point plan about that. Uh, So you can look on the website. But the main elements are, of course, you have to do the vaccination as quickly as possible. So that's that's good. Mm. Uh, You have to have some form of lockdown. That's what we're doing now. So nothing really new here Uh, to reduce the number of cases to a level low enough so that uh, our contact tracing teams can, you know, actually trace something. Uh, And then the other thing that might be a difference with other groups is that uh, you have to control international travel. There's no point having a big lockdown like this summer. And then when you reach a very low level, you're nearly there at uh, the point of victory. And then you let, you know, international travel. But, do, do we, in, yeah, but do, when you talk about international travel, people travel back and forward to Ireland for business on a daily basis. So, yeah, you know, and then we have and then we have haulage companies and truck drivers coming in and out. And yeah, exactly. I mean, how do you propose to do that? Because all it needs, as you well know, is one case and the whole thing starts all over again. Exactly. So that's another one. We say you have to manage international travel with the quarantine and the hotels. That's true for most like regular travelers. 
But you always have exceptions to that. Like you said, the examples you gave about the truck drivers or business travelers, you can have some types of exceptions, not in the sense that, okay, you're a truck driver, do whatever you like in the country. But, you know, you could say, look, you don't have to do a 14-day quarantine. It doesn't make any sense. But you can say, oh, maybe a test. And maybe you say, well, okay. you can drive, but you drive through. You don't stop okay. at a coffee shop. And, you know, so it's okay, all about- Okay, well, well, well let, let me just go to Jack Lambert, who's yeah. a professor uh, at the Matter Hospital. I mean, Jack, this idea, uh, originally it was founded, by the way, by Anthony Staines, uh, Jerry Killeen and Thomas Ryan, who we've all heard on TV quite a lot. A pathway to normality, Jack, is what it's been advertised as is it a possibility it, it look covid's been with us for almost a year now and uh you know zero covid has failed all over the world even in places like china and places like like new zealand's have had flare-ups as well australia's had flare-ups as well so so minimizing covid is important but eliminating covid is is, is an impossibility and we need to kind of find a way to safely minimize the numbers and go on with life until the vaccine rollout happens, and it's not going to happen that quickly. It's uh, but certainly opinion. not when the HSE are working nine to five. It's not going to happen that quickly. But anyway, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, in relation to generally with viruses, I mean, you would know obviously know more than I would, Jack. But throughout history, have we ever eliminated a virus by restricting movement? Well, we've we've temporarily controlled it, yes, but we've we've not been able to eliminate it. The thing that eliminates, you know. What happened over the summer is is that these viruses are seasonal, so the viruses are going to settle down over the summer. Um, we're, we're in for a rough time for the next few months because this is the peak of the winter, and for lots of reasons, there's the, the, these viruses are hugely transmissible because it's cold, people are indoors, people are congregating, all these kind of reasons. But we, you know, but I, I think a zero COVID strategy is 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 unachievable. I think a living with COVID safely strategy and allowing all aspects of our, you know, society to continue um, has, has, has to continue. And then finally, we have a border on the north, the north and the south. We're not like New Zealand. We're totally different. And if you look at the numbers, the, the highest numbers have always of, of recent months have been in the border counties because there's an open border between the north and the south and there's people working and traveling yeah, back and forward and, constantly and, and, and you can and you can screen everybody at the Dublin airport who flies in and flies out but but you'd have to then screen every single person that goes across the border from the north to the south and that's but politically, that might not be the best yeah, idea in the world. Politically, it's a bad idea. And yeah. then number two, no, nobody's going to enforce that. That's the reality. I mean, that, that's a fair point, Julian. You know, the border is always going to be an issue. Uh, that's like a political no-no. Nobody is going to stand in the middle of the road in Uri with his hand up stopping cars because we all know where that'll end up. So, Julian, that really puts pay to the whole idea, doesn't it? The, the, the idea that somehow we can kind of put this envelope around Ireland and protect us from COVID. Yeah, well, it's a good point. First, just to, before I answer that, the idea that zero COVID has failed, as Jack said, is simply not true. I mean, you look at Australia, you look at New Zealand, you look at Vietnam, you look at China, it has worked very well. That's the whole point. The zero COVID strategy is a proven strategy. It's not like a utopian socialist dream or something like that. It has worked. Now, when I say has worked, I'm not saying it has worked perfectly. Nobody says that. But a small, um, you know, outbreak of a virus in New Zealand has nothing to do with Europe being completely dominated by the virus. 
But our New Zealand, our New New Zealand and Australia, it was described to me before by immunologists as the bold child in the class. Are they not the ones kind of sitting there saying, like, let's watch the rest of the world get this, the rest of the world will get vaccinated, and then we can open back up our borders again, and we didn't really have to do all that work. So is it is it not a case that they're isolated? They are an island, as Jack rightly pointed out. They can control that a bit more. But if we don't get rid of COVID-19, and if this vaccine um, doesn't help, and, and there's a possibility because we don't know exactly what the, the results of the vaccine in relation to infection, it'll certainly protect people from symptoms and dying, hopefully. But if it doesn't stop the spread of the virus, um, I, I, New Zealand and Australia are going to be sitting there with no tourism for, the, for what, the next 10, 15, 20 years? Do we really want a life like that? Well, yeah, it's true that let's say you have a kind of a theoretical scenario in which Australia and New Zealand and China uh, are zero COVID. I don't don't know why you keep mentioning China with the greatest respect, because I've looked at figures coming out of China and it's very difficult to believe anything that's coming out of China at the moment, to be honest with you. Well, yeah, okay, but we're not going to get into that. I mean, I I believe that China has done a very good job. Not perfect again, but uh, anyway, going back to your question about um, the border, that's a very important question because... Every country has their, how can I say, their difficult aspects, right? Uh, their obstacles. Um, in Ireland, it's the border. And um, it's true that it's not um, an easy task to manage the border with Northern Ireland. So that's, that's obvious. Well, when you say it's not an easy task, I, I just let, all I really need to know is, we could go into and talk about it, is would you put a border a physical border, when I say a physical border, a manned border uh, of people being stopped going in and out of Northern Ireland and back and forth to the Republic. Would you, would you do that with this idea? You need to do that, but it's a county-by-county county approach. That's the very important point. And, how, and with the greatest respect, Julian, yeah. you know, I mean, we have hundreds of years of history here in this country, yeah. and I think politically that would be the most outrageous idea ever. I mean, look, I know it has been talked about over the last six months. Uh, They've tried to get an all-Ireland agreement in relation to how we tackle COVID-19. And by the way, at the moment, that seems to be the case. Britain and Ireland are pretty much doing the same thing at the moment. So I don't think it's going to make a huge difference. But in saying that, for us to distance ourselves and and stop the free movement uh, between Ireland and Northern Ireland... I think would be a political disaster. But let me just go. Yeah, you wait, don't wait. really, you don't really stop it. That's the that's the mistake people make. But when even you, checking people. No, no, no. When you when you manage people a border, there's a bubble that goes, let's say, a band of twenty kilometers south of the border and north of the border. People who live in that region, they're free to go across the border as they like for work or for school or whatever. So you don't like block everybody at all. The cases you don't want is people coming from, let's say, Belfast, driving down to Cork or something, and then spreading the virus. That's the kind of border management we're okay, talking okay, about. Okay, well, well, let me just go back to Jack. Jack, at the moment, we are looking at a very serious situation, according to the government and NEFIT. Uh, these case numbers are out of control. You talked about the seasonal aspect of this. And I wanted to just ask you very briefly, Jack, maybe you have an answer for me. This: Where's the flu? Well, the thing is, is that we we started using masks, we started doing COVID prevention strategies, and we started isolating all through the, the flu season. We started this in September, October, November, December. So obviously, those prevention strategies are working for flu. The same thing. Well, but happens. it's gone. The flu is gone in Sweden as well, yeah, and they're not wearing masks. Yeah. Well, but but they are. They are. They're, they're, they are. They are. They are. They are. And in Australia as well, flu flu didn't occur this year. So I I think. I think we have been doing some things right. So I think I think just COVID is much more infectious than flu. So we have we have actually controlled 
all respiratory viruses included COVID by some of the things we've done over the last six months. But, but, we, it, is art- yeah, but it is artificial, Jack, because we can't live our lives like this forever. Ab- absolutely not. But I just think that's the explanation for flu being down this year. RSV's down this year. Other respiratory viruses are down this year. Okay, so, so Jack, do you, do you agree that, well, I, I know you're not in favour of lockdowns and restrictions on people's lives uh, to so- somewhat. I mean, obviously, there has to be some restrictions, right. you believe, in relation to masks and distancing and mm-hmm. common sense and responsibility. But in relation to... Uh, living as human beings, uh, do you believe there has to be trade-offs? In other words, we have to accept, as we did up to before COVID, that people die of respiratory diseases and infection and viruses and things that we spread between each other as human beings. Do you believe that trade-off has to, at some point, just be accepted? Well, we have, we have to minimise the risk. We can't eliminate the risk. Oh, well, yes, I do. We have to live with COVID safely and, and lockdown and total isolation you know, sacrificing all medical care, all psychiatric care, and all economic recovery opportunities is not a solution. Um, but but the, the other side of the coin is is we can't be doing things like America has done. We have to we have to find a middle road that works for Ireland that the Irish population will accept and listen to. Well. Okay. Okay, well, and just 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 finally, in relation to Julian, you know, I, I looked at a paper yesterday released in uh, Massachusetts University about the uh, dis, uh, the unassociated deaths of COVID nineteen through lockdowns and restrictions, and I suppose taking away people's liberty and all that kind of thing, and and the effects of say undiagnosed cancers. They predict through their modelling, eight hundred and ninety thousand people will die in the next fifteen years in the United States, not because of COVID nineteen, but because of how we manage it. In other words, the lack of healthcare around COVID-19 because we're very much focused on COVID-19. Uh, you know, Mary, who's eating an extra donut and all of a sudden puts on weight and her mortality rate drops down in the long term. These are all unquantifiable and uncalculable uh, deaths in the future. Does that concern you with your theory that if we, if we keep restricting people's lives, we actually do more damage to their lives? Are you asking me? Yes, I have, uh, Julia. Yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, that's why it's so important to... Um, to beat COVID and quickly, um, living with the virus uh, is is going to drag things out. So if you well, we've, all, out, we, we, we've dragged it out over the last year. I mean, and we 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 have been, yeah, re- and, and we but well, we have been restricted. Our lives have been restricted. We really couldn't restrict people's lives much more than they've been restricted already. Well, the mistake we made in Ireland is after the first lockdown in the summer, we had the best summer in Europe, and so. We were so close, about three weeks away from uh, getting uh, into a position where we would be um, a bit like uh, Australia or New Zealand or something like that. And uh, we didn't finish the job. So that's why we're still... Well, we didn't finish the job because... But we didn't finish the job, Julian, because we're Ireland. And as I said to you, in July, if we had got down, when Leo Varadkar made his parting gift of letting us all free again, if we had have got down to, say, two or three cases... And all of a sudden, we went back to some level of pathway to normality, as you say. And we all start going out and meeting each other. So those two cases would have turned into 500 anyway. So what difference would it have made? Well, in the summer, what we should have done is uh, build up the public health uh, teams, for example, and also regulate travel. Uh, it's travel that reseeded the country. Uh, so, And it's very easy to understand. You said that yourself uh, at the beginning. So it, there's no point having a lockdown and forcing everybody into their house and their basement, uh, if uh, once the cases are down, you do nothing. You just reopen the, 
the borders and nothing happens. If you, if that's your exit strategy, you might as well have no lockdown and then uh, mm-hmm. live with super high levels of virus. It's important that when you have a strategy, a master plan, all the pieces need to be there together. But are we, are we not are we not allowed to have an adult and grown up debate anymore about the fact that people are that people die? Uh, you know, sadly, COVID nineteen has been has taken many lives, and I'm sure there's many listeners might know somebody who's died uh, with or from COVID nineteen, and. Generally speaking, we have noticed, and the data proves this, and I don't think it's too uncomfortable to talk about it, the majority of people that have died have been people who have been close to death. In other words, people who have been close to the end of their lives. And I think we we should be able to have a grown-up conversation about the fact that people die on average at the age of 82. Jack, are we missing that point when we talk about COVID-19 constantly, that we're not accepting that people die and we're trying to save too many lives? If you took the $16 trillion that has been spent on COVID-19 around the world and put that into cancer research, we could save a lot more lives if we put things into perspective. Well, well you know, I, I think, you know, COVID is not flu. It's more infectious. I think it's more lethal. Um, Certainly but, for the but, older but, age groups, yes. But, but for the older age groups, absolutely. Um, and and if, if we do let it go out of control, it is going to impact on the healthcare system. It's going to become unmanageable. That's happened in other countries. So so I don't. We, you, you shouldn't you shouldn't make light of COVID COVID nineteen. It's a very serious infection. But the solution is not lockdown. And I, I agree hundred percent. If you just have a lockdown and don't enhance your infrastructure when you come out of lockdown to make sure it doesn't happen all over again, um, then, then, then there's the problem. And I think that's been a problem historically over the last year. We've gone into lockdown. We've come out of lockdown without all the necessary structures. But I still get back to the point is that you can't ban international travel and do nothing about the border between Donegal and, 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 you know, and, and, and Dundalk. You know? mm-hmm. um, that, is, that is going to be with us forever. And we're not going to do anything about that. So we need to find a way to minimize that, this and, and get through the next six months until we get the vaccine rollout. There is light, light at the end of the tunnel. That was the final question I was going to ask you, Jack. Is there light at the end of the tunnel? Because people are reading articles uh, from the UK where you have UK health ministers or chief medical officers over there suggesting this could go on for the next two years. Well, it could, it could, but I'm just telling you. But if we if we do everything right, if we did everything right this time around and spent all of our time now in lockdown, focusing on a massive vaccine rollout, fast, quick, efficient, we could get there in six to twelve months. If we just keep, if we use lockdown as a time to say we're going to pilot this, pilot that, vaccinate people, the, the nursing homes in the next two months, we should be vaccinating the nursing homes in the next two weeks. Oh, but but two look, we've, we've all seen what happened with the vaccinations. They can't even get that right, for God's sake. We've had I've, months to prepare for this. <laughs> and we, now we have people telling us they're going to work from nine to five, Monday to Friday, and they can't even get consent forms out to the people who actually need them. Absolutely. So, so now this is a time. Let's, 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 you know, all those criticisms are 100% valid. So let's give the government an opportunity. Neffet's now said they've got new medics, new scientists, people who they're engaging on a daily basis to fix things. That, and they didn't have this advice previously. Let's give them a chance to do it right. So I think we have a short-term lockdown. The community needs to enhance their COVID prevention strategies when we come out of lockdown. And the government needs to really... Come, come up to bat on uh, a rapid okay. vaccine rollout. All right, listen. By the way, just just finally, Julian, in relation to the vaccine, do you believe the vaccine could be the magic silver bullet that we all talk about? Well, it's certainly uh, an important tool. Nobody's going to deny that. 
But if you only put all your eggs in the vaccine basket, you're missing uh, something and you're, you end up talking about, again, should we open the schools or not? I mean, so there's many more months before the vaccine is rolled out um, to a level where it, you know, it makes a, a big difference. So nobody denies that the vaccine is super important and people should you know, uh, be happy about that, of course. But you need other tools in your toolbox. Uh, so in, in a way, everybody is zero COVID. Uh, the government is zero COVID. ISAG is zero COVID. The difference is that the government will only focus on the vaccine, more or less. And at ISAG, we say, well, you need more tools. To well, well I, th- I would agree with you, Julian, that everybody wants zero COVID. But it's yeah. how, how we achieve that is where the difference between what Jack is thinking and what you're thinking is how we achieve that. And, you know, there's a, there's a way of achieving that without destroying people's mental health, without destroying services for people who want to get diagnosed for cancer or diagnosed for illnesses or getting their illnesses sorted out. And we've seen all operations and non-necessary surgery cancelled once again. You know, you've got people out there looking for hip operations, knee operations, eye operations, um, which, you know, improves their quality of life. And quality yeah. of life is equally important. I mean, the WHO talk about quality of life and health of the citizens. They talk about mental health, physical health and social health. And we, yeah. we're now missing two of those, which is mental and social, which are equally as important as physical health. They are. That's why, of course, when you have a lockdown or our strategy, let's say, to beat COVID, there are costs. To that it's not a, an easy strategy but the alternative is so much worse the alternative is that you let the virus run rampant in the community and then your hospitals the reach uh, bergamo levels that that's very bad so if no, you i mean well, pre- the hospital levels at the moment if you look at irish the irish examiner from this time last year i think I, I please don't quote me exactly on these figures but we had in and around 800 people in hospital last year with influenza and we had 90 people in icu at this time last year with influenza yeah, yeah, so, so, hospital, the so the, the problem with the hospital levels at the moment is many of the hospital staff are missing because they're isolating because of covid yeah, yeah, but if you let the virus go, uh, you know, free in the community, it'll get worse. Okay. Uh, so it's very well, that, well, that, That's your theory. Other scientists have other beliefs. Of course, the Barrington Declaration has another belief on that, that you protect those that are vulnerable, and you do let the virus go free, and those get but vaccinated. the get Barrington vaccinated. Declaration has very little credibility. In well, 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 what gives it less credibility than your theory? Well, those people are very. Are you suggesting to me that the people involved in the Barrington Declaration, the main three scientists involved, don't have credibility? Well, they don't represent they don't. the scientific consensus. Well, um, are, so, you reckon, are you telling me why is their credibility less than yours? These are, these are qualified, as Jack Lambert is quite qualified as well. These are quali- Some of them are emulologists, epidemiologists. No, I look, no I, I'm not a scientist. So I'm not going to engage in the science debate. But I'm just no, I'm not asking actually, you. But when, when, you, when you start to discredit other people just because you don't agree with their opinion, I believe that's wrong. Like, for example, well, we're having an adult conversation today. Jack has an opinion. You have an opinion. I accept both opinions. Uh, Jack obviously comes from the fact that, you know, he's credible. And by your own admission, you're not a scientist, but I don't expect you to be. But you have an opinion. And, but to discredit somebody by saying, you know, that's rubbish, uh, that's being no. discredited, you know, I yeah. mean, they're, they're credible people. They've studied for years in their trade of immunology. And you're telling me, other, you know, that uh, that's saying, discredited. All I'm saying, they don't, they don't represent scientific consensus and that's so. Okay, but just, just well, then finally, Jack, just before yeah. I head into the break, the Barrington Declaration. Have you read the Barrington Declaration? I know you have your own white paper, Jack, yeah. but have you read it? I, I, I know the summary, and, and, and I think there's different. If we didn't have a vaccine coming, uh, you know, then, then herd immunity is an option, and, and then just uh, cocooning those that are at highest risk, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so that would be an option, but I, I, would, I would hold out for the vaccine in this situation. So I think 
Every country has to do things differently, okay? We're not Australia, we're not New Zealand, we're Ireland, we're unique. We have a border. We have to come up with our own plan that Irish people will buy into. And, and, and I think the government's done better. You know, this, I think, you know, clamping down now after Christmas to give, give a few weeks for the virus to, 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 to settle down again is critically the important thing to do. Um, we, 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 herd immunities, not an option and cocooning the, the most vulnerable. This is not a solution. We, we, we do have light at the end of the tunnel with the vaccines. Okay. okay, listen, thank you very much, both of you, for coming on the air. And I do appreciate okay. you. Jack Lever, thank okay. you very much thank indeed. You. And Julian Marseille, thank you very much. Bye-bye. Uh, all right. Now, I want to get your opinion. As you heard, Julian would like to, uh, like Anthony Staines, Jerry Killeen, Thomas Ryan, um, Sam McConkie, who I'm sure you see in the television on a regular basis. Uh, Luke O'Neill doesn't really go for that option. Well, maybe he kind of does uh, kind of talk about kind of COVID-free in the sense that he agrees with the lockdowns. Jack Lambert clearly doesn't really generally agree with lockdowns and taking away people's freedoms uh, to achieve what we're trying to achieve. Although he does say at the moment that we do need to do something just to obviously try and calm things down a little bit. Do you agree with the idea... And this is the COVID-free idea, um, uh, like New Zealand, that essentially we restrict everybody's lives, restrict movement in very strict measures. You've seen what they did in Australia. You've seen what they did in New Zealand at the very start of this. Now, remember, of course, yes, they got a good result. But that result leads them to a situation now where they cannot allow tourism into their country. If you want to go to Australia, you now are taken to a hotel for two weeks same in New Zealand. You cannot go to New Zealand. They, their tourism industry will be dead until COVID-19 disappears. The other idea, of course, Jack Lambert talked about there was the Barrington Declaration or his white paper, which is if we didn't have a vaccine or the vaccine doesn't do the job of stopping infection. And remember, we don't know if the vaccine will stop infection. It'll stop symptoms, hopefully, and stop those from dying. But that herd immunity could be an answer or may not may be an answer if we didn't have a vaccine. And maybe still an answer. So what do you agree with? I want to know what you think. The number is 087-188-0008. Do you think that we should have really strict restrictions? I'm not talking about level five. I'm going level 10 here. Closing borders. Checking people coming in and out of Northern Ireland. Testing people at airports constantly all the time. Uh, basically, nobody visiting your home. You're not allowed out of your house unless you have to have exercise. Closing everything. Would you agree with that? Let me know what you think. The number is 87 With a light at the end of the tunnel. Lots of people texting in. Somebody says, just vaccinate the elderly and let's get on with our you-know-what lives. Uh, the new normal is social engineering and it's here to stay. The PUP payment has to be paid back in tax. Uh, it's a tax. Well, no, you have to pay tax on it. Well, you, well, yeah, well, yeah, you're saying it has to be paid back in tax. In other words, of course, uh, taxpayers will be paying it back over the next generation. Of course they will, because we're borrowing the money, aren't we? Uh, another person says, now, why isn't Jack Lambert head of Neffet? He has a more logical approach to the whole thing. Yes, um, hi Niall, Julian is talking great sense with good ideas. Government needs to learn forward planning. Jack Lambert is a wonderful man who should be running the country. Uh, Alright, keep texting, keep WhatsApping. Uh, the number is 87 I'm surprised you agree in your text, by the way, with both of them because they both have very different ideas of how we move forward with this. Jack generally, with the exception of this moment in time where case numbers are very high, disagrees completely with lockdowns and restrictions on people's lives. John, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, John? How you doing, Noel? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, John. Uh, John, I mean, is it possible that we can eradicate, like St. Patrick did with the snakes, that we can eradicate uh, COVID-19 by basically restricting our lives to such a level that we actually just don't interact at all? Noel, can you imagine now being told that you can't leave your own home? Well, a lot of countries around the world, they've done that. And I, I, they literally, you, in Australia, had the military outside people's houses. 
yeah, and here's the point. I mean, you're telling people you can't leave your home. I mean, Except for exercise, maybe. Yeah. Or, you yeah. know, this is one of the things that are coming up at the moment, that they're going to kind of come up with this idea that people are going to be locked into the houses 24 hours a day, 24-7, whatever. The fact of the matter is, where's people's civil liberties and civil rights and all this gone? Ah, that's gone since last year. I mean, why isn't civil liberties being, pu- being pushed into this arena as well and being asked, why aren't they standing up to the government? And well, the, well, the argument from government is public health comes before your right to move. Your right to move? Your right to, mean, well, your right to move freely around the country. Your public health. I mean, at the end of the day, do you seriously think that the mental health of the Irish people are going to go on with, are going to accept this idea that they're going to restrict their lives even further to the point where they can't even go and take a breath of fresh air outside their front door? Is that really what people are expecting to uh, this government now to come up with? Well, to fight disinfection. Well, that seems to be the, I suppose, the direction they're going in. Now, again, there's a cabinet meeting at the moment. We don't know exactly what's in it, but certainly it'll be level five with lots more restrictions. Um, so it's getting worse rather than better when it comes to your liberty, as you're talking about, John. I mean, let's let's be honest, Niall. I mean, we look at the look at the hospitals here. They expect us now to more or less, you know, sit indoors. So the hospitals can function. Why aren't the hospitals properly run in this country? Why aren't the people who are in the HSC sacked for mismanagement of the hospital over the years? Well, I've been asking that for 20 years, John. Yeah, I never got an you, answer. You never got anything back. But why is this allowed to happen that Irish people have to take on the mantle now of the problems of the hospital because the HSC can't do it themselves? I mean, this to me sounds ridiculous. And now they want people not to mingle or to mix with anybody ever again. That we just go and live in the cave and, you know, don't fly and do anything. Okay, so, okay, let me just put you in the position of being, you know, head of Neffet for a moment, Yeah. And I know you're not a qualified person as such, but certainly... I'd love to be in the head of them. I'd show you. What would you do tomorrow? Okay, I would go with herd immunity. I would, uh, the 20%... This close to to a vaccine coming out? Yeah, hang on, hang on. The twenty the twenty percent of people who are who um, who are elderly, the twenty percent of people there who have a lot underlying conditions, I would concentrate on them. The rest of the healthy population, which is eighty percent, I would let them get on with their lives. End of no more this bullshit lockdown and all the rest of it gone. I would look after the twenty percent that need to be looked after. And the rest who are healthy that can get on with this herd immunity, just let them the, move The rest forward. who are under 70, who are at less risk, is the point yeah, you reckon. Yeah, because the vaccine is there and it will be... It will be okay, and then what, what happens if we get to a point, and, and I don't know, I can't predict what would happen if you did that, and, and the Barrington Declaration talks about exactly what you just said. But and what, I agree with it. Okay, okay. Uh, what happens if you get to a point where, you know, because you've got at one stage 3,000 doctors and nurses in the HSC off on one day out and not because they're sick by the way because they may have had a close contact who had COVID uh, for 14 days but what what do you do when then the hospitals become crowded and when I say crowded they can't manage anymore and all of a sudden vital health services or heart surgeries or other things that are meant to be done can't get done because the health services collapsed what what happens I'm not saying that would happen but I'm only asking you for the last number of years here as somebody who is medical, as the last number of years here, we have flu in the hospitals, which have crippled our hospital services. We have had, um, you know, people on trolleys for, uh, for the last number of years in the hospital service. We've never shut the country down. We've never done it. And the hospitals are always in chaos, year in, year out with the HSC. The HSC are not... Well, particularly, the, particularly this time of the year, I suppose, yes, because... They're always yeah. in chaos. I mean, okay, well, 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 hang on a second. Let me just, and I want to go to Neve just very quickly before I go to the break if I can. Uh, Neve, you're on Classic Hits. Uh, Neve, 
You've been listening to what John was saying there, and more or less, if he was in charge, it'd be just let everybody go back to normal. Oh, sorry, I got Neve there. Patrick, sorry, I'll go to Patrick. Patrick, go ahead, you're on Classic Hits. Hi, Ned. Uh, you heard what John has to say, uh, and you've heard Jack Lambert, and you also heard earlier on, you heard the representative from the ISAG in relation to a COVID-free island. Um, do you think it's a fantasy idea, or could it work? No, not going to happen, no, because the minute you open back up, you could be back to square one again. Well, that's my thinking, Alan, yeah, but according to them, that if we did it well enough, like New Zealand or Australia, we could manage it. Well, New Zealand and Australia are a different case in the sense that they're so far removed from everywhere else. Well, they're isolated uh, islands, yeah. yes. And, but uh, we are we are essentially an island. I know we're part of Europe, uh, and we're part of an all-Ireland Ireland, which is part of the UK, so to speak, as well. But but in saying that, we are we do have water around us. Well, we do, but we had, like, for example, an all-Ireland approach, like north and south, and none of this border issue, and we're the same rules as the north. It would be a different situation. But then you see where you have situations where... Maybe there's not uh, temperature checks in big public places like supermarkets and all that like, maybe, mm. you know. And would you like agree with John? If John had his way tomorrow, um, he would he disagrees with both Jack Lambert and, uh, I suppose, the COVID-free island approach. And he Absolutely, believes... I do, no. Yeah, he believes that if he was in charge tomorrow, it would be protect the elderly, which is the kind of Barrington Declaration idea, protect the elderly and the vulnerable, and let everybody else just get back to their lives. Well, I read the Barrington Declaration. Yeah, a lot of it makes a lot of sense, like, to be honest, because, like, you have an economy to run as well. Like, you know, so you try and strike a balance. People's you know? lives. Mm. Yeah, and you see, even in places like the Philippines, which would be the poor relation to um, Ireland regarding wealth and all that, like, they have, like, a text message going to your phone, you want to go to Mass, and then you have to get a special code, and then you've got to get your temperature checked before you even enter the church life. Mm. Simple things like that in countries like that, they're doing, but we're not doing things like that here. Okay, do you, do you think the idea of this kind of herd immunity idea, uh, which Jack Lambert, by the way, does uh, did talk about, you know, uh, obviously he said the vaccine will help that, or certainly can help it, uh, because it protects the more vulnerable. Um, do you, Would you be happy enough to do that, knowing that it's a bit of a trade-off that, you know, some people could die? Well, it is a trade-off, but if you're still, if you're, if you, if everyone is watching themselves and not going out doing things they shouldn't be doing, and the vaccine is implemented like the way you'd implement the flu vaccine and so forth, well, then you'd have a chance of that. But there's always going to be people who are going to do the wrong thing. I got to take a quick break. Keep texting. Somebody says, "Hi, Nile. Australia and New Zealand have different climates." I, well, from what I've seen from research around the world, that doesn't seem to make a huge amount of difference because in some of the hottest countries in the world, they've had a lot of cases, a lot of deaths. So. I don't think it's making a huge amount of difference in relation to climate. I know in Florida, for example, they have now lifted all restrictions and people don't have to wear masks and people don't have to do anything they're told at all. But that's just because the governor of Florida, of course, is a Republican and he doesn't really care too much about the whole thing. Mind you, they haven't had, per head of population, that much more debts than anywhere else. So in saying that, and considering that it's an elderly population would be living in Florida because you have the snowbirds coming down from the rest of America into Florida, you would imagine there would have been a lot more deaths. But there you go, there wasn't. Uh, All right, I want to know what you think. Uh, Can we achieve a COVID-free island uh, like the ISAG suggest? Or do you agree with Jack Lambert and you completely disagree with lockdowns, restrictions? And essentially that, unfortunately, there has to be trade-offs in life. Here's a text here from a uh, person who says he's a retired teacher. I'm just glad he never thought my kids... He says, if it means saving just one life, Nile, then close down the country. Right. You do realise how idiotic that sounds, doesn't it? As much as every life is important, well, sadly, people die every single day. 
actually in and around 80 people die every single day. And you're telling me you would like to close down the whole country to save one life. Now, I'm assuming you didn't think about that before you actually said it, did you? Because you do understand the consequences of closing down the country and the many lives that puts in jeopardy, don't you? Obviously not, when you made that idiotic statement. Uh, Dave, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Dave? Hi, yeah. Uh, Dave, emotion comes into this and people come out with lies. I actually heard a politician saying that on radio a while ago. If it's to save one life, uh, maybe we should close the whole country down. It's an idiotic thing to say. Sadly, then we have to reflect on the fact that people do die and we have mortality as human beings. But do you think we could... Um, how, uh, can we put up with more restrictions? Yeah, I believe we can. Um, I think, yeah, it, it is a silly statement to say to save one life. However, I think there needs to be more focus on a long-term plan here rather than the short-term That. The, if there's restrictions and very, very, very tight restrictions for two or three months, yes, it's going to restrict people. Yes, there's going to be a financial uh, implication. But so it's the, not the, the financial implication doesn't bother me because governments can borrow money hand over, hand over fist. Exactly. It's, not that, it's not the financial implications. It's the implications on people's lives, i.e. businesses being destroyed, people's jobs gone, um, you know, unemployment rates go up, and mental health is destroyed, isolation is not good for human beings. There's been lots of studies in relation to that. Um, our social lives, which are very important for our quality of life, um, non-essential surgery, which in, get, indeed can damage people's quality of life. All those things taken away, Dave, does huge damage. I, c- I couldn't agree more, but at the same time, if everyone knew that you had to take it on the chin for the sake of, let's say, a month tr- or the three months of absolutely stringent, tight, tight, tight restrictions, but that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And what's, and what's the light? So this is what I get. I, I'm worried because as much as the vaccine has been lauded as a silver bullet, They've, they've already said that they're not sure if the vaccine will stop the spread of the infection, right? Now, it'll help those who are vulnerable not to die from it if they get it, uh, but it certainly it may not help to, to stop the spread of the infection. So in saying that, if that doesn't work and we end up in the same situation after the vaccine, but just with less people dying, hopefully, um, realistically, we, we, we go with your plan and we, we lock everything down and we're very strict and we're all very responsible about the whole thing and three months' time, we're down to two cases or something like that, right? And we open back up the country and Johnny comes in from, I don't know, on business or in a haulage truck from England and he has COVID and he gives it to somebody and we're all back to normal. So we're all out in the pubs and restaurants again and we're living our lives. And all of a sudden, sure, it's back again. Sure, so what's the boo That was all, there was nothing achieved then. Yeah, but it would give the medical sector a chance to get ahead of us and get, get the, the, I think up to now or the entire time, the whole medical sector are playing catch up and they're trying to kind of get ahead of something that's spreading faster than they can catch. I think. Well, that really hasn't been the case. Up to uh, three weeks ago, you know, the HSC have been pretty much on top of things. And if they haven't, there's something very wrong because we haven't had that many people in hospital uh, up to now. And even right now, actually, we had more people in hospital last year uh, with influenza than we did with COVID-19 this year. So far, so far, that's the problem is getting worse, obviously, at the moment. So in saying that, we should be able to deal with what's happening at the moment. True, but the only time we saw the, 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 the most amount of positive results from uh, lockdown or restrictive measures was when everything was shut down. And then every time... They uh, can, can, I ask, the- can I ask you, Dave, just... And I, I know I'm not suggesting you're being selfish by, by any stretch of the imagination, but what, what line of work are you in? I'm frontline. Okay, you're a frontline worker. And are you working for the state? I am. Okay. So, from a, I'm not having a go at you, by the way, but from a financial point of view and for a future, that doesn't affect you so much because you're guaranteed a wage, you're guaranteed a job. 
But for many people listening who work in the private sector, who have a restaurant, who own a bar, who work in a bar, who have retail, they're being decimated. Their futures are in jeopardy. They may not be able to pay their mortgage if their business is gone. It's easy for people to sit there, you know, and, and I'm in the same position as you, thankfully. I don't work for the state, but I'm, I'm thankfully I'm in a, a job at the moment. Uh, and thankfully COVID hasn't affected it too much to the point, and don't get me wrong, we have investors who are putting money into it constantly because we're losing a fortune. Where, as you can hear from the ad breaks, they're very short. We're not getting much money in revenue and ads. So in saying that, you know, it doesn't affect us so much, but what about all those other people? Is it just affect them? No, not at all. Um, I feel that had at the start of all this, like back in March, February, it was an absolutely 100% strict lockdown, a lockdown of the country, etc. We could have, I don't, like, I don't know, we could have potentially been out of it by now and all of the other sectors could have recovered. So yes, they would have had to t- take a brunt of three months of, oh my God, this is really difficult. But instead, it's been dragged out from reopening and closing. Yeah, but that's not answering the question I've asked you. I understand that. I agree with what you're saying to me. It's just in relation to those people who are losing their jobs. Dave, Dave, stay there, because I've only got a minute and a half and I need to get Katrina in just before the end. Katrina, you're our classic kids. How are you doing, Katrina? Hi, Niall. Yeah, you? you heard Dave there. He, he advocates the idea of a stricter regime to get yeah. it to a point where we can manage it. Yeah. No, I wouldn't agree with that at all. Um, just for the reasons you mentioned and, and yeah, because it, it was tried. It doesn't work. If lockdowns worked, we'd be out of this by now. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, they, well they, some people will say they do work. We're just uh, not doing it strictly enough. We should be doing more. Now, I don't know why. I don't know how much more you can restrict people's lives. To be honest with you, but well, no, I, I see it from the point of view of a virus is you can't really contain a virus, and it needs to run through the population and let the young people get it. They don't get m- many side effects at all, if any, and then then we're rid of it. But if we keep kicking the can down the road, it's a complete utter farce. But that's not true. Every time they've lifted restrictions, it's spread more rapidly. Not necessarily. If you go back to the end of July, when we had no restrictions between July and October, sure, there was hardly anybody in hospital. I mean, hardly any cases. And that was because it was the summer and viruses um, don't mm. thrive in hot weather and stuff. So... Um, well, I don't think our weather was too hot, with the greatest respect, Katrina. This is Ireland. I, I think, by the way, I think the, the research has been done on that. I don't know exactly what the temperature is, but I think it was like 27 degrees. Over 27 degrees, it finds it more difficult for it to survive. I think that's what they... But that was Fauci was saying something like that, but I don't think yeah, that would affect Ireland. In effect, you're right. It did go through the... You know, spread during summer a little, but not much and stuff. But the point is that um, a virus, as I said, can't be contained. And so why are we trying to do that? Okay, well, listen, I have to take a break. Um, I want to try and get everyone's opinion in. I'll take one or two more after the break, by the way, because a lot of people want to talk about this. Uh, keep texting, keep WhatsApping. The government more most likely going to come out with an announcement today with more restrictions. We don't know whether construction will close, but certainly the schools will probably remain closed. And there could be other restrictions on people's lives. Do you agree with all these restrictions on your life to get a COVID-free island? Still really don't have any updates uh, in relation to what is going to happen, but you can be pretty sure the schools are not going to reopen. It does look like maybe there'll be limited amount of construction with exemptions for social housing and the National Children's Hospital, etc. and some of the, the state projects. Um, again, we don't know of any other restrictions. There has been other barmy suggestions, by the way. One was um, to have a curfew at six o'clock. I heard saw that in the Irish Independent yesterday. I don't know if that's on the cards or not. Uh, the other would be to reduce the 5K to 2K or possibly no K. In other words, only going out uh, for reasons of exercise. Um, and... 
I, I think people at this stage, there is a level of complacency out there in the society because I think people are fed up with it. Um, as human beings, there's a limit to what we can do. Yes, I agree everybody should take personal responsibility and everybody should act responsibly at a very difficult time in our history. Um, uh, now, loads and loads of people are texting in. Uh, the number is 087-188-0008. Um, two people have texted in, by the way, in relation to... I mentioned a text earlier on from a person who said he was a retired teacher. And he said, if it's to save one life, close the whole country down. And I said, it's the most idiotic statement I had ever heard in my life. It's not thinking uh, logically. It's thinking emotionally. Uh, And Mark, you took exception to my remarks in relation to that. Why? Well, honestly, I can't believe, I really can't believe you said that. Okay, but go on, well, explain to me why you think, uh, okay, so the comment was, and I heard a politician saying it recently on the the radio too, if it's to to save one life, we should close the whole country down. My argument is, that's emotional. And we can't get emotional at a time like this. Yes, if it was my mother, my brother, my sister, I'd be thinking like that, but that's not logical thinking because I would be sacrificing the lives of many others. So give give me your reasoning why you think that's not an idiotic statement. I, 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 I don't even know where to start now. Well, start somewhere. <laughs> Mark, if you well, disagree 30, with it, you must have a reason for disagreeing with well, it. Well, 3,600 people dead. What, the, their loved ones watching them through the window on a laptop, taking yeah, their last breath. I know, it's horrible. And you said, this isn't a way to get, this isn't something to be emotional. No, 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 you, no, no. You said that twice. No, you're, you ta- you're, twice. you're taking, said, no, you're taking what I said out of context. I said to save no, you, one yeah. life. One life. The person said, if it's to save one life, we should shut the whole country down. Don't take no, what so, I said out of context. No, no, what you said was, this isn't a way to get emotional about it. I'm taking, I'm taking into account everyone, not just one person. And just on the island of Ireland, 3,600 people. So what you need to be saying in the future now is, from a completely selfish point of view, that teacher is wrong. I don't care about a stranger. If a stranger dies in Cork... That's not what I'm saying. stranger... Mark, no, 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 Mark, no, no, you're taking no, no, one. I, Mark, no, I agree. No, no, no. My, Mark, I agree with you. And there are people out there listening today who have lost loved ones. There are people out there, as you rightly said, who are looking through the windows at people who are 85, 86 in care homes. And those people are miserably unhappy. And I get exactly what you're saying. And that is emotional as well. I'm talking about the statement the man made. And that was, if it's to save one life, one life. We should close the whole country down. That's an idiotic statement. Illogical you know, and idiotic. You know, no, you know nothing about that man's background. But, the, you know, but, you but, but, but hold on, with the greatest respect, I also don't know about the backgrounds of the other 4.8, uh, 999,000 people in this country, million, 999,000 people in this country. I don't know about their backgrounds either, but I don't want to see their lives destroyed to trade off for one life. That there's doesn't make any sense. To be, there's hard decisions to be made. There's no doubt. There's hard decisions to be made. But for someone to come on... And there has to be logical decisions made. A personal thing, yes. And for you to call it idiotic... It is idiotic. I, and I stand it, by what I said. It is idiotic. To turn no, around and say one, to save one life, we should close a whole country down. That is idiotic. No, no, no you're going to have to say a stranger's life now. You're gonna, you can't just say a life. What about, what, about, you're gonna have to, what about the people all over the country to, who are losing their jobs, who are losing their businesses, who've lost their futures? And, you know, what about the amount of suicides that will take place because of that? What about that? Heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. Okay, so why would you close down the whole country and risk loads of lives? How about the ones sitting at home getting a phone call from the hospital to tell them to come up and stick their nose against the window to wave bye-bye to a loved one? 
But did you did you read what I said? Do you listen to the show regularly? I, I, by the I heard way? what you said. You called him. A, you called him. No, no, no. I'm as, I'm asking you. Do you listen to the show regularly, Mark? I'll do sure. Okay, okay. Well, yesterday I mentioned a white paper that was released in Massachusetts uh, that 890,000 people over the next 15 years will die uh, uh, mm-hmm. because of, indirectly because of COVID-19, because of locking down countries and because of locking Absolutely. down. Okay, eight hundred in one country, 890,000 people in 15 years, that's more than will die of COVID-19. So you, you pretty much are saying don't lock down, go for herd immunity? No, I'm not, like, I'm not like saying Sweden. that. I, well, hang that's on. You're no, no. Now you're, put, now you're putting words in my mouth. Did I say that? What I said, and I've said it in the past, and my, just my view on it is, so is that we need to protect. We need to protect the vulnerable in society absolutely, and we need to spend every penny that we possibly have in doing that. And we need to do everything we can and support people in every way possible to protect those who are more vulnerable to COVID nineteen. Because we have to be fair, there are groups of people who are more vulnerable, and that's a fact. That's yes, of course a scientific yes, of course. fact. And we need to do everything we can. To protect, but we can't save every life, Mark. We can't. No, no, no. Absolutely, we can't save every life. But what we need to do is be more, and more thoughtful about calling people idiots. No, I will. Anybody, and I'll stick by what I said. Anybody who thinks to save one person's life, we should close down a whole economy and a whole country. It's an idiotic statement. Well, let me let me just. Take I didn't call them an idiot. I said it's an idiotic statement. Well. Now, well, well, hang on, let me just go to, if I can, well, stay there, Mark, stay there. And I want to go to Carl Dieter as well. Uh, Carl, the statement or the idea to save one life, we should close down an economy and a country. Yeah, it's really wrong, obviously. I mean, if you think about it rationally, then every day about 100 people die. And if you said, well, shutting the economy might save one of those lives, the country would be on permanent shutdown. I think when people say that kind of stuff, they're not really thinking. It's an emotional answer that they're giving to something that, that grieves them and I don't know what that thing is and that readers you know or that listeners instance but it is really irrational and the statement being idiotic let's just say that it's, a, it's, it's obviously a nonsensical can't be taken seriously statement because it's clearly an emotional statement it cannot be based in fact because otherwise we would all have to shut down for the rest of our lives and um, when we talk about the economic cost of lockdowns and as well protecting the vulnerable. There's a lot of things about it that we, we we get so heated emotionally that we can't talk rationally. So when I hear about lung diseases, it, it triggers me a lot. Like my dad died of asbestosis and it's, it's a horrible... My mother died of horrible. emphysema, which is a lung I disease. I remember yeah. speaking about that before. And yeah. she, she, you know, she, she was, was 74. Too. <laughs> yeah. So like when you see that happen, it, it, it affects you. It changes you. you know, and the person who, who made that statement, maybe they just dealt with something like that last week. You don't know. So, like, I remember close to the time my dad died, but I, I probably wasn't thinking about things rationally either. But in, in the cold light of day, we do know that out of um, all the confirmed hospitalized cases, uh, the vast majority of them, more basically than all the other ones added up, is people over the age of 65. So we need to get them vaccinated. Maybe they should be locking down, etc. But the Israelis did an interesting study where they looked at the cost-effective ratio of lockdown, and they said for every life saved would cost $45 million. Now, it's a real hard conversation to say put a price on a life. But we do, for instance, see we, that well, we, do that, we do that all the time. And, and Mark, do, let me, and, let me, let me, let me come back to you. Is, you know, I don't know, in, in the case of Israel, if it's $45 million. I don't know what that price is in Ireland. But it does tend to be quite high. And by the way, that, quote, that paper you quoted in the USA when it talked about 890,000 lives, 
over 20 years, it's 1.4 million lives. So if, if, you, if you take this to its rational extension, what, what, what you'd be saying in the U.S. context is that the decisions that are being made, apparently to keep people safe, because we know that the rolling death toll is, you know, 300,000 people, and, and it is, by the way, mostly people who have comorbidities who are very old, and there's some great, lovely, young, healthy people in there who tragically have lost their lives too. But the lives that get lost this way typically tend to be younger people below age 55. And 1.4 million people is every, you know, third person in Ireland dead who shouldn't be. Okay, well, let, let me go. Okay, well, I, I want to go back to Mark. But Mark, you know, to be fair, I mean, I know Carl comes from a more rational point of view, and I'm not saying you're being irrational, Mark. All I'm saying is, when we think logically and we think about saving the most amount of lives in all forms, I'm not just talking about COVID-19, we have to leave emotion aside. And I listened to a great interview, Mark, last year with a person responsible in the HSE for deciding how much money we spend on medication. I think they spend six billion a year on medications. And he said, for example, you're not going to spend a thousand euro on tablets. Now, he didn't say that. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, right? That will save somebody who's 95 years of age when that thousand euro can be spent on 10 tablets that can save somebody who's 45 years of age. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the, the point is that we have to think logically that money isn't an endless pit. And like today, if you want to get emotional, 480 people, according to Aintu, they've just put up a post, will die or will get cancer. 24 people will die of cancer today. 27 people will die of heart disease and stroke today. Mental health is under enormous pressure. COVID is not the only illness in the country. And if, and if you want to save one life, of, say, cancer, let's close every fast food restaurant or you know, of heart disease. Let's co- close every fast food restaurant. Let's close every chipper in the country. Let's close everywhere that sells fast food and that causes, uh, most of that causes, you know, comorbidity or should I say uh, fatalities when it comes to heart disease. But we don't do that. Let's take every car off the road and we could save 160 lives per year. And, and lots more people who lose limbs and end up in rehabs because there have been in, uh, collisions. We, we, let's, let's ban alcohol. How many lives could we save then? Let's ban cigarettes, Mark. I mean, where does that stop if you become emotional about it? Uh, No, I I think you need to start every conversation you have as long as it doesn't affect me. I think that if you're being honest with yourself, you you have to start a conversation where you're going to abuse someone or say that they're idiotic. No, I said the the statement was idiotic. You keep coming back to that. Well, the the statement is idiotic. You have to start by saying, you know, prefacing your sentence, your first sentence was from a very selfish point of view. But if it it was... Sorry, saying that doesn't affect you, that's not really what's being discussed because... You would find well, well, really people is. that are pro-lockdown usually have secure jobs, college educations, and a full belly. But we know lockdown... Sorry, can I ask, can I ask you a personal question? Sure. Can I ask you a personal question? If, if this one person was your loved one or you, would you be prepared to shut down the economy? No. If it was your, no, your loved and, one? And, and, okay, no, no, let him, answer, let him answer the question you've asked him. I have seen the horror... And I, I've truly, it is a truly horrible thing to watch someone die of a respiratory illness. I mean, it, it like I said, it mm-hmm. changes you forever. And there's still loads of buildings in Dublin that are full of asbestos. But would I say ban those buildings tomorrow? Because they're not banned right now. Uh, and make sure that, you know, kick people out of those houses because there's asbestos. No, because there's a certain amount of acceptance. And it's difficult. It only comes with time and grief and, and realizing that the world is a place where you will die. 
where you'd say to yourself, how selfish can I be? I mean, if I said yes to that question, how much of a mean son of a bitch must I be to allow the physical, mental, and social health of everyone else to suffer to see, you know, people who don't get treated for heart disease, stroke, and cancer in order for my self-serving interest, and I'm actually just not that selfish. Even though it would hurt and hurt deeply, I would have to say no. The country must continue. Well, you're a better man than I am, Carl. Mark, I'm not doubting for a minute you love every member of your family as I do. And yes, you know, if this was my daughter, my son, or my partner, you know, I, I would think like you, Mark, but I would but I would also understand that my thinking is irrational. Yeah, as long as it's a stranger you would no, think differently. No, no, Mark, you're not that's, that's this is yeah, that's but, but why, Mark, Mark, it's not rational thinking. So are you telling me that if somebody said to me tomorrow if we don't close down the whole country, your son will die. Of course I want my son to live or I want my partner to live or I want my family to live. Of course, well, of course I do. But I would also, it would, if I did say the answer that you want me to give you, it would be disregarding the lives of everybody else in the country. You can't do that. Other people have lives, businesses, jobs, mental health, suffering. I just... Yeah, I understand all of that, and it's all heartbreaking. But all I'm saying is, I just bring you back to what I said at the start. Just start every sentence with, from a, a, from a completely selfish point of view, I think the economy should stay open. If it happened to me or mine, then I think we should close the economy. Okay, what, what, what would you, you do? You yours? I have to wrap this up, Mark, but what would you do tomorrow? If you were head of NEFIT, or head of the government, what would you do tomorrow, yeah. Mark? This government? Yeah. I would sack everybody in it. Well, if that's a, that, well, that's that, that's, that's not a really bad idea. Answer. That's probably the best thing you said, Mark. But uh, but in saying uh, what decisions? No, I'm asking you, what decisions would you make for Ireland? Would you lock down every business and tell people to stay in their homes? No, we're so just to see if we didn't have the vaccine. I would say to you, listen, we're going to have to go for herd immunity because we can't. The vaccine is so close. I, I, I it is so close. We're talking. We're talking this summer. But they've, they've already said, even with the vaccine, listen to the experts, even with the vaccine, they don't know whether the vaccine is going to stop infection. Yes, it'll help those who are very vulnerable not get serious symptoms, hopefully. Yeah, of course. But, but in saying yes, that, COVID will probably still be there. The, economically, the world has got to reset. This is the fact that every, every single economy in the world, they're not just going to pick a poor Ireland because Ireland's the one that's suffering the worst. There's going to be a reset button economically. No, I agree. But, but, why, but then why can't we all have a reset too? And I put this up on Twitter the other day. If we're going to have a reset, and of course Time Magazine, uh, the front page there a while ago was the Great Reset, and it, it does look like a, an economical reset around the world. If we're going to have a reset, well, can they reset my car loan, reset my mortgage? Now, not me personally, but people who are struggling, who've lost their businesses. Can we reset yeah, everybody? I, 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 listen, I, I'm, I'm with you 100% not there. You, you have to phone the people and tell them that if you haven't got the money, you haven't got the money. You, you, if you need the car needs to be repossessed, then let them repossess it. But, but this is only for another few months. Oh. Then the economy can Mark, start to Mark, I wish you were right. Mark, Mark, I wish well, you were well, right. Well, listen, 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 listen. Now, listen, please. You have to be optimistic. If I didn't think that this, that this uh, vaccine was a, a, a big changer, I, I, I'd, probably, I'd probably just, you know, I wouldn't be very optimistic at all. But it is, you have to think positive. You have to think that the next few months, 
let's get let's work this together. And please, if somebody phones in, and this is I'm going to finish this now because mm-hmm. I, I I don't want to fall out with you because I think you're a fantastic uh, journalist most of the time. Most of the time. But if somebody <laughs> phones if, if somebody phones in and and says about one person's life, don't 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 just don't just say that that that, that has been thought through. It obviously has been thought through. You obviously don't think it's been thought through. But a, a bit more compassion. Okay. Okay, Mark. I, Mark, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah. And, and by the way, I, I always say this, people. If people don't agree with me, you're always welcome to win the iron challenge, my view on anything. No, no, and, I, and, I, and I accept your view. I, accept, I do respect your view. Thanks now. All right, Mark. Have a good day. All right, thanks. I want to go to Teresa. Teresa, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Teresa? Hi, Niall. How are you? Um, Teresa, you're just back from a funeral. I am indeed, yeah. And um, it's the second yeah. the second funeral you've been to, I believe. Or you've another one to go no, to, so you've yeah, another, one, another to one to go to. another one to go to now next week as well, yeah. Okay. Um and both my neighbours not COVID related, I have to say. But um I have no doubt that they will go down as such. And why you why know, why do you why do you feel they will be down on their death certificate as COVID? Why do you believe that? Because, well, in the first instance, there's no um, uh, post-mortems being carried out. Mm-hmm. And it just, everything seems to be COVID. Were they, well, can I ask, by the way, if it's not too personal, were they elderly people? They were elderly people, but not COVID-related. Okay, so they just died of old age. They died of complications uh, of age. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think, you know, I'm not, I'm not a doctor, I'm not, in, and I, I'm sure I won't get the, the results of, you know, but I think one may have been a heart attack. Okay. And, and the other, like, peacefully in his sleep. Okay. But oh, Nice way to go, mind you. I'd like to go with my sleep if I ever did yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it would be nice. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but, but, you, but um, like I said, Niall, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I would be classed as a vulnerable person myself because of illnesses mm-hmm. that I've got, COPD, high blood pressure, without going into the lot. Yeah. I also have a daughter who's in a nursing home, um, who I actually got to see for the first time, sit with her, hold her hand, hug her for the first time since last March. And now we're going back into lockdown again. She was supposed to come home for a few days from New Year's Day. And that hasn't happened now. And how long is your, your daughter's 40 now? How long is she in residential care? She's been in, oh, since she was about 16. Okay, okay. Um, it must be it must be heartbreaking for you not to get to see her, and not it to get is, to give absolutely. her a hug, or you know. And I have to say, like you know, um, I'm not going to say her name, but um, I've never seen her cry once in her in her life. I saw her cry when she seriously, seriously hurt herself in a seizure, and I've never seen her cry. And I FaceTime with her, which is very, very difficult because. She really makes eye contact. Yeah. But she did make eye contact with me this time about four weeks ago. And her whole face fell. She was so sad. And I thought she was going to break down in tears. But this whole I, whole thing about lockdowns, you know, um, they, they send us into lockdown and they might bring the numbers down. And we come out of lockdown and the numbers go back up. And they put us into lockdown again. It's been referred to by scientists the, as a yo-yo effect. Yeah. yeah. And and nobody is talking about 
the suicide rate and the numbers of suicides. And where I live, I know of at least eight people since lockdowns that have taken their own lives. It's very sad you to know, hear about people. And, and by the way, we, we won't have those CSO figures until after the end of the year. And, and that's yeah. normally, by the way, that's nothing to do with COVID. Normally CSO don't compile suicide figures until the following year for the year previous. So we won't, we won't have an indication of that. And it's always hard that's to right, know. Yeah. It's, it's always hard to know why people take their lives for a multitude of reasons, I suppose. Sadly. A multitude of reasons. Yeah. But I, Unhappiness, well, generally. Unhappiness. I think you'd have to be deaf, dumb and blind to know, uh, not to think that. Oh, no, I, I would agree. This situation oh, has no, no, nothing no, to I'm, do I'm with not, it. I'm not just yeah. There is no doubt. Absolutely yeah. no. I have no doubt whatsoever that people have taken their lives in this country because they feel isolated, lonely uh, during these times. I have no doubt yeah. about that. Um, well, you know, um, I actually had a GP say to me because I was badly affected like by what's happened recently around me. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I was just, I had a GP say to me, if anybody has a problem, because I live on my own, if anybody has a problem with your daughter, if she stopped coming to see you, to check on you and, and whatnot, um, tell them to ring me. I don't care whether it's the guards or Tony Houlihan himself. And that was the GP saying that. Mm. Yep. I you know, so. I mean, so... Well, um, well so, when, so when do you think you're going to get to see your daughter now again? I have no idea. No idea. That must, be, it must no be. It idea. must be heartbreaking for you, Teresa. I'm really sorry. That must be really heartbreaking for you. Very difficult. Thanks, I appreciate that. But it's not, you know, I mean, there's thousands of people like Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Out yeah. there, and I and I totally get, you know, that it's heartbreaking when people are dying and they're being told their relatives died with COVID. You know, um, nobody is dying of influenza anymore, which is a huge killer. No, seemingly, influ- it, seemingly influenza has just vanished. It's vanished. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's disappeared. I mean, I've gone on to uh, and seen that information, the freedom of information um, that there hasn't been a case of influenza this year in Ireland. I've well, seen it. Like everybody else, I find that difficult to believe, yeah. but according to the HSC, that's the case. Why are people still not questioning this and are still, you know, I, I, I just don't get it, why people are just blindly following everything that they're told. Because they're afraid. I'm afraid too. Because... because I mean, let's be clear about it. RT have done a wonderful job uh, oh, in relation to terrifying people. I, yeah, I, I, I would like to think that we give people both sides of the story or we try and our we best. Do. To do so. And you know what, Niall, and I'm going to say this to you now, um, I never really uh, listened to you before, but uh, since I have heard you like months ago on this issue of uh, COVID and all, I've been a regular listener daily. Oh, well, I appreciate that, and thank you very much. And I, and I hope that we, we, we like to bring people on who agree with us and disagree with us, because I think it's fair, but unfortunately... Of course. You, you go, going back to what you said, why are people following every single word without questioning anything? I suppose yeah. as people, we, we're supposed to trust our government, and we trust the national broadcaster. But, but, what, but unfortunately... When has our government not lied to us about a multitude of things? Well, yeah. You yeah. know... And a lot of people who watch, I'm sure, who watch uh, RTE, not me, are elderly people. Mm-hmm. And they are scaring the living daylights out of them with their daily numbers, their daily numbers. So they did numbers. this on Christmas. Oh, you know what? What really upset me Christmas over the Christmas? Day. Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And I Christmas said, could they not Day. just take a break? It was just shocking. 
Well, absolutely shocking. It's just they need and, to keep it up, I suppose. And these numbers now that have jumped uh, into their uh, mid, you know, 5,000, 6,000, mm. it's their backlog. Well, I know some of it is from their backlog, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah they're, they're, ad, they're, ad, they're adding it to it every night, and, yeah. Yeah, and they seem to be adding on three and 4,000 at a time from the backlogs because I, I do remember um, one of them saying... Um, that they had over about around 9,000 of the backlog. Yeah. Well, I, I think any presenter on radio or on television, be the national broadcaster, who I know have a bigger responsibility to be, le- to be impartial, um, who are just going on one side and not listening to both sides, I think at the end of all this, they should be ashamed of themselves and I hope people remember them. Yeah, I well, do too. Listen, Teresa, I, w- I wish you well. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a bit rushed for time and I have to go into a break. But listen, I re- wish you well and I hope you get to see your daughter very soon. And, uh, nice. Have, have a nice day, all right? Okay, and all right. happy new year to all the listeners. And you too, and you too, you too, Teresa. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.